Hello and welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG related. I am your host, Matthew, and as always, I have my two co-hosts here, Ryan. Breathe, Matt. And Scott. Yeah, I think the show just kind of came out of you like a chest burster. Yeah, kind of. Like, And then, mm. you know, hello, my baby. Hello, hello my honey. Hello, my honey. Hello, my yeah. Yeah. Check, please. Matt had yeah. a terrible <laughs> coughing fit. It was very upsetting. Um, yeah. Um, so we're going to get right into it. We're pretty much just going to sum up the gaming we have been doing, and then we're going to go right into a very special interview that we have. Yeah, it was a good one. Very good one. Uh, the funny thing is, Ryan's not on there, so he doesn't know. I don't know what happened. I did advocate for this interview. Oh, no, you advocated super hard. It just sucks that you got ill when it happened. Uh, yeah. You know, it turns out uh, sleeping in uh, freezing cold temperatures while fighting in freezing cold temperatures is really, really bad for you if you're out of shape. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or it's not general. great even if you're in shape. But I'm an idiot and a fat person, and I <laughs> only have muscle memory to guide me through these fights. <laughs> yeah. None of this has anything to do with my physical acuity. And apparently that was really bad for me, so I had to take nappies. That's fine. So, Scott, how has your gaming been? Uh, my gaming's been pretty good. Uh, Vampire's kicking along, uh, and, you know, D&D's doing well, and, you know, all the all the various pots on the fire are going really well. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, haven't done... Uh, haven't done your D and D game in a hot minute. Yeah, um, it's that's just, fine. It's, it's, it's a, a pickup. It's, it's a pickup game. It's a pickup game. Um, I would do it this weekend, but the the weekend oh, no, 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 is already spoken for. Indeed, it is. Uh, but yeah, no, no, it's gen- generally a good time. Uh, you know, I think I might be doing Star Wars at some point. Yeah, I think uh, so. In, maybe in the near future. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe future, maybe yeah. we're actually sitting around the table. There's with no reason sheets. why we're all together in one place right now. Nope. When nope, I wasn't nope. there last. And you can't anyway. hear the ladies right now. <laughs> um, but Ryan, how's your gaming been? You uh, obviously had to it's slog the, through bad weather. Uh, I mean, I had a fucking great time, but like we we left at like one in the morning after my monster shift because I was just like, I can't. I feel like garbage. I just can't. Yep. I have to. I have to go home. Was it at FDR? It was at FDR. Yeah. Which the site itself was fine this time. It's just like who could have expected. Very suddenly, it being 70 degrees one day and then 30 degrees the next day. It's almost like there's some sort of overriding trend that makes weather more erratic and extreme. It's it's crazy. I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Take that, atheist. I don't know. It so don't much. Got to shush, 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 shush. Happy times. We're talking <sighs> Anyways, about, happy times. We're gaming, talking gaming, about gaming. me. Yeah, okay. about you. Uh, yeah. So I'm about to pl- I'm about to have to deal with Star Wars. Yeah, uh, so that'll be fun. <laughs> yep. And uh, we've been doing Mad Mage. That's been going super well. We, oh, some shit happened last oh game. My oh my god, that that fucking oh my god, so many portals, so many portals. We found, so we basically more. found the junction box for un, Undermountain. It's not. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm so scared. Because every time we turn around, there's another portal. We haven't found like, them all yet. We haven't found them all yet for the level. We don't know. And I found I'm the Scion. Uh, I'll get that in my my. I have gaming. no idea. Like, and honestly, like, there's some questions I need to ask Andrew, and we're like, when we're far enough out to where it doesn't matter anymore. Like, did he plan to make you the sign of the house? Is there an insert in the Mad Mage book, like, if they're dwarf? I, I, make, make I dwarf think, thing? I think that may be... Dwarf uh, thing? I, I, so, so, we'll just hop right into me, is, yeah, so part of, there's a very big dwarf part of Mad Mage that I really liked, and uh, there's a big door, and you're, part, I think part of the adventure is you have to go find the Hand of the King to open it. And well, just like, give it a shot, j- dummy. D- and I did. And it worked. And it worked. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like... Well, shit. <laughs> Thankfully, we have a bard with legend lore who <laughs> was able to figure out exactly what the fuck was going on. Yep. <laughs> um, it was it was super rad. It was a super cool turn because I think uh, you're if you don't have a dwarf or you're not doing anything plot wise, you have to literally go find the tomb of the former king get his, and get his hand <laughs> and open to open Which it up. I guess is less of I guess because uh, you know that makes a little okay that makes something else make a lot more sense now that I think about it, but. Yeah, and we also had to talk to Mage Grandpa, and he's a cuckoo pet. Uh, we actually had our longest conversation yet with Hallister, and it was pins and needles the entire time, which it's was so probably funny. because somebody wouldn't stop talking. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it is true. If anyone, if no one heard Murphy, it's because someone wouldn't shut the fuck up. <laughs> like it's like, oh, have we already? Met the met the we've won this conversation. Let's just walk away. Point. Oh, no, oh yeah. let's just no, keep, no. Let's let's just have Osra keep qualifying everything. <laughs> let's let's have these continued, you know, interjections. I, I gotta earn that low charisma score somehow. Dude. That, that's true. <laughs> I have never like 
fit. We have physically a, like accosted you to shut you up before. Yep. And actually, now that I think about it, I could silence you, which is something I need to actually think about. Yeah, doing. just keep it on. Keep it on the. Do ready, a localized you know? silenced around him. Yep, that's fine. Uh, uh, but regardless, yeah, that was been a super lot of fun. We'll probably more in Patreon content or sometime later. We'll, we'll go through a lot more excruciating detail about how cool that entire situation was. Uh, go, going back to well, it's it's also you, but but going back to me slightly. Um, it's all about you, Scott. Yeah, I know. Um, fucking the acquisitions incorporated adventure is fucking gritty. Yeah, that like, thing is. I got some comments. That is not as bad as the first part of a descent into Avernus, because mm-hmm. that's that's insanity. Mm-hmm. But the the level one that level one adventure, dude, the dungeon is grindy as. Like I just could not believe curse on this podcast. how yeah, curse, yeah. rough it is, and now I'm cursed. Too. Yeah, no, that's a rough one. That's a real rough one. You can just pass that off. Uh, yeah, you know, just find, do that. find some innocent soul to just. Uh, dump oh, it's it on. like it follows. Yeah, kind of. Uh, but uh, no, no, like I'm, yes. I'm, I have no experience with D and D, and I'm just literally running this thing out of the book, um, and. Wow! They, even you can they, even you can kind of I'm like, like whoo! Oh boy! You're starting to feel how like, swingy those level one well, and two fights are. That's true. Yeah, those type, those level one they're level two right now, so those fights are fights are super swingy. Oh my god, I can't talk. Um, they're super swingy and really rough, and the monsters that they put you guys up against are. Oh boy, there's well, some fun ones. But we've just, been doing okay. Like no, you've been doing good. We've got to put our heads together for like, a lot of the you, tactics. You had to take a step back from this current dungeon. Yes. Uh, which luckily the adventurer allows for. Yes. Uh, and um, all right, guys, yeah. where are we fucking up? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 cool. I think that I think that adventure is actually really good. Well, it's, it's very. The good, thing but. about a level one or level two fight is that you're in the situation, especially level one. It's like, oh, did a monster roll well twice? You're gone. Yep. Mm-hmm. Take a yep. take a lay down, bud. Uh, twice I have been the one. Dropped to I'm the healer. Mm-hmm. Dropped twice because of a in crit, just like crit straight up. Oh yeah, 20, I, I, done. And uh, they're like, there was a mimic that I critted twice on. Like I like he yeah he critted me twice. I no no I critted I critted uh, John once. No I didn't. I think yeah, I think it was I, I think you um, Ray's character and um, John's character were the ones tussling with that yeah. thing, and I critted two of you. Yeah, and the problem is right now I'm cursed. Lewin is cursed, and he's. But this curse is you have disadvantage on all saving throws. Oh, so no. I literally, if if they had not remembered to heal me, like they, if they had, because I, I didn't mention that I had a healer, healing potion on me or anything, if they had not gone, oh, we have a healing potion, or oh, I can heal Lewin. This the very next turn, take of the initiative order was me. I, I rolled after they saved me, and I went, mm, that would have been me, because I had already rolled two ones. On my, it's so like, does Ack, does Ack Inc have a punch card for that situation? Uh, there, there, there were some things in the back end for that. I'm sure, I, I, I'm sure I knew there were. I'm sure there's a you know. Well, now you're now you're in it for a little bit. Get <laughs> get out of the vat, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that that is a big part of the current storyline is clones and the ramifications of them. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like the actual like. Uh, on stage game. Yeah, the not CG. the not the adventure that we're currently a part of. Uh, even though that's got a rabbit hole. That's oh, a yeah, big yeah, deep yeah. And I I had something. It's not necessarily in the adventure, but I I had something specifically for you yeah. in the hopper for that. You need to watch this because I think you would get a kick out of some of the stuff that's going on. I very rarely enjoy watching other people roleplay, it turns out. Well, that's oh, us. That's yeah, us. That will be airing fairly soon. Yes. Um, and it will be in fo- podcast form. It's true. Uh, you yep. like like listening it to as an audio drama, essentially. But let's hop right into the interview because I don't want to leave in waiting. So, all right, we'll see you guys in just a little bit. See you on the other side. Hello, everyone. Scott and I are here with William Nutt. He was a fine gentleman we met at the night in question, and he is on the show. We have brought him on because uh, he is a particular type of role player, and we wanted him to help us understand more about how uh, his situation um, impacts his enjoyment of role playing. So, William, please uh, introduce yourself, uh, what games you like, and uh, the situation that you're in. Well, howdy, everybody. I'm William Nutt. I am an entirely blind role player. I've been blind all my life. Um, I have a condition called Conrad Degeneration. Um, I like a variety of games. I'm especially on a LARP kick right now. Uh, <laughs> very big on all the classic World of Darkness, Exalted, some of the crazy simulationist stuff like Riddle of Steel, um, Burning Wheel, GURPS. Played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. I 
probably give a giant list of what I have played. I, <laughs> I'll try any system once nice. and probably twice. There's no reason not to play something. Um, oh, yeah. My background is in archaeology. I have advanced degrees in archaeology, but I ended up doing something entirely different. Uh, but my archaeology and uh, cultural studies, uh, as well as having in the past been an advisor for experience design, uh, very much inf influences how I game, how I run games, um, and how I LARP. That's all very fascinating. Actually, I've got more questions now <laughs> um, because, I mean, I don't I don't see any uh, I don't see a hat and whip. And if you're an archaeologist or at least you were trained as one. Yeah. Um, well, I've dug in Tuscany uh, and I had a hat, but it was in a fedora. I think I bought one in Florence when we left. <laughs> Matthew, but, I don't know uh, if you know that, but that was a movie. Yeah, but like, you know, so that's not actually how it works. You'd be amazed how many people were inspired by those movies mm -hmm. to become archaeologists. Well, my first archaeology professor would tell us stories about uh, running through the jungles of Belize, uh, being chased by uh, gun and drug runners. Oh, jeez. Uh, because artifacts are a very highly traded commodity, and they're a way that money can be laundered from guns and drugs into other enterprises. Wow, I totally understand that. That's kind of badass and cool. It is. Um, I've never had that experience. I've just <laughs> never had to run away from drug runners. <laughs> no, uh, just supervising undergrads, which is what made me decide not to get the PhD. Yeah. Fair <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> with that aside, um, let's. Uh, so we're going to talk to you about your situation in um, gaming. How did you get started in gaming and how did you overcome some of those, the very basic obstacles that mm. were there? So I got started gaming back in the last third of the 90s. Um, mm -hmm. And I was, gosh, uh, elementary school to middle school, um, I guess middle school. And all my friends had started playing D&D &D and I decided I wanted to. And you know, it wasn't that hard. You have someone read the dice for you at first. I've since then, I've um, branched out into doing a bunch of stuff. In the past, uh, I'd have someone, if I need to look some, something up in a book, they, that would be read to me. But by the end of the 90s to early 2000s, books were coming out in PDF. And I was vi uh, very quickly able to use accessible technology screen readers, a computer that talks to me, essentially, mm -hmm. to read uh, what I needed to read. Um, I've experimented with Braille dice that did not go well. Um, <laughs> I've experimented, you know, and, and I've got all my dice superstitions. I've threatened them with a geology hammer once and, and <laughs> all sorts of things. Uh, I have primarily used dice rollers now, just um, I, uh, so electronic dice rollers. Uh, my phone talks to me. And most mm -hmm. of your phones will. Most yeah. people just don't realize that. And, um, and then I, I've also experiment with a lot of things i used to game with someone who would get great roles and after about eight to ten years of gaming with him he told us once well you know throwing your dice the right way is part of the game and all of us were like no it's not that is where that comes from i think technology has even the field a lot um i have not you know I, i've read about other blind gamers on various uh sites you know um rpg.net and, and things like that but it's not very common um we are kind of in in a niche hobby um and i found though that with technology and with a good group of people since you're essentially gaming with your friends mm -hmm. uh hopefully um <laughs> you those aren't really as significant of barriers um and 90 percent of the time if it's something that's extreme minutiae, you'll have to look it up anyway. Uh, when I run <laughs> games, I tend to create cheat sheets. Um, so just kind of like an electronic GM screen in a Word document or something. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, so so you've got everything at my fingertips. Cool. Oh, that's cool. That's interesting. So you you make your own cheat sheets, and then if you need to reference something, it you can kind of ask it to tell to tell you what what you wrote down. Mm -hmm. And I just keep a earbud in one ear, so no one else can hear what I'm checking on. And that was at. exactly what I was oh. going to ask. Of how how do you keep everyone else from hearing it? <laughs> yeah, just just a single earbud, and and uh, or you turn down the if it's on the phone, you turn down the volume really low and just put Very it in cool. your ear. Very cool. Um, but you know, in that. 
of I found that that is in some ways it's less of a barrier in LARPing. Uh, mm-hmm. People are more willing to go diceless. Uh, in other ways, it can be more of a barrier. Um, people sometimes wonder: Is your character blind, or are you blind, uh, or is both the case? Um, I haven't had too many bad experiences with people just being like, ah, "I'm not going to engage with that person or let them know I'm there." Not any more than like you would normally have in a day-to-day occurrence with someone trying to do the ninja walk, which is what I call where someone tries to realizes you've got a cane and tries to very quietly sneak around you, realizing that the, they have a far better chance of not getting hit or tripped if they just say, yeah, I'm here. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that happens in LARP every now and then, but usually people are very willing to engage. Um, I'm very interested in creating experiences. Um, in my games these days. That's kind of where I've come to. I haven't played a tabletop game since I moved to Austin. But oh sound like a dice fell. That so. was a dive. Uh, yes. <laughs> Scott. Sorry about that. You're good. Um I'm very interested in in exploring these things as sort of a vistas of imagination. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can get really deep um, character engagements uh, in both LARP and in tabletop. And I think each medium is very is quite excellent for doing certain things well and may not be as good for things that the other ones is good at. Um, mm-hmm. Which I guess is my my weird way of or overly complex way of saying that. Um, I find that tabletop is very good for for things that would be really hard to stage. Um, you can also tend to get longer games, much more intimate games with a small group of people that you're willing to jam with, might be willing to, um, I guess, engage with, engage with games that maybe, maybe a game with a theme that with a larger group, I might not be as willing to deal with. Um, it's hard to do that in LARP, I think, as a really good example, the, the, you know, the amount of effort that had to be taken for the night in question to do a quality Sabat game where you could really push yourself, where everything had to be tuned for player safety just because of the nature of the content. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and actually, um, uh, do you have anything, Scott? Uh, yeah, I was just wondering, um, uh, we, we uh, in our podcast, we went over our experience in the night in question. Like, I'm kind of wondering what you, what your experience that night was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because to to for for the audience, we didn't actually interact too much in character with William at there. That we just never crossed paths. That was just not our jam. At least I didn't. I don't think Ryan or you did. I don't think so. But yeah. So so tell us how your game was and how that uh, how uh, the night went for you. So I. Uh... Both my wife and I signed up for it, and we were really excited. We we it was our first LARP in Austin, and our first um, bespoke LARP, meaning a LARP that is has rules customized just to create the experience you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Very high production values. And, and considering I listened to your guys' takeaway of your thing, I'm sure <laughs> your your audience already knows. Oh, thank you. Um, you're welcome. And. Uh, I reached out to Matt just to let him know what to expect as a courtesy. Um, and so we could get, put our, put our heads together and figure out what we were going to, how best to tackle accessibility without adversely impacting the LARP as a whole. And um, he said, well, why don't you just be a vampire? So I ended up in the, <laughs> the monster crew with Alex Ward and, and um, some of the, the people really dressed up. And I was there, the Sombra handler who had been put there by the Cardinals as a punishment. Um, <laughs> they were hoping that I would get killed by all these crazy people. <laughs> and, um, and so I was pretending to be an elder, but wasn't. Mm. I was like 40. Um, <laughs> pretending that I had everything under control. And uh, it started out where, where our pack had forgotten to create a meetup place. So we were all just looking for each other at the beginning. Um, <laughs> But it was really neat because since I was waiting for them, I just stood at the entrance and met people and, and got to, to be ominous and creepy and everything else. And that was good. And 
very much got to build up towards um, what my character ended up doing, which was playing matchmaker uh, for Childer and oh Sires. And awesome. so I go around and say, oh, you know, I think you, this person is um, needing... Well, I pretended to be a talent scout. So it was, <laughs> you know, this person's looking for a big break. I know that, uh, oh, I don't even remember everyone's name now. Um, you know, they'd be oh. excellent, make an introduction, send them off to get murdered. Um, <laughs> As you and do. It was, and it was good. I, we got people together. I, I dragged people off into the night. Um, and I was the one, I'd say the highlight of my night, rather than going through it act by act, was um, being the person who turned one of the Camarilla traders. Really? Yes. Like, like you, you turned them into a vampire? Oh, no. I, I turned them uh, from... Oh, you flipped? The, you flipped? Yeah, I flipped them. Oh, cool. Uh, so we were doing it. This guy kept showing up and... I'd use dominate to make him forget things I said, and he was using presence on me. <laughs> um, it was oh really fun. And at the end, you know, everyone's ballroom blitz starts. Everyone's starting to, to kill each other. He's been standing next to me, and I turn to him, and I go, so what are you? That's not a very nice question. And I said, well, it's really pertinent right now. Are you a vampire? And he said, yes. I said, well, what pack are you with? And he said, well, I'm a local. I said, hmm, that's really interesting. So why shouldn't I kill you? Or do you want hospitality from my pack? If you want hospitality, you're going to have to take a Valdery. Nice. And so we dragged him over. We did an ad hoc Valdery while all the murder was going on. Um, got the Dukedus and the priest, and we, we got his information from him, but we didn't want to let the other packs know that we had kind of suborn this NPC who we were supposed to hunt and murder uh, <laughs> because we wanted, he knew the Prince's Haven location. So we really wanted this. We, we were the traditionalist pack. We wanted to show up all the new people who didn't have any self-control and mm -hmm. were going to be cheerleading squads and everything else. Um, <laughs> and that was really probably the most gratifying part of my night. And then there was a player who, um, the, the gentleman playing the NPC had interacted with her, and I apparently had interacted with her. I'd been the first person that she talked with, and we did the Valdery Ballroom Blitz is just winding up, and uh, he goes, oh, you know, I see there's somebody over next to the rail. Let's see if she's okay and bring her in. Well, she was in the fetal position. Hmm. And so I did the, are you okay? And she did, gives me two thumbs up. Yes, please and increase the intensity. So we end up dragging her to her feet. She's been blinded. And um, I ask her, you know, or she's freaking out because she can't see. And I said, well, just listen to people scream. You know, enjoy yourself. You're, you are lucky. This is the first night of your life. And then we dragged her off and embraced her. And, and I got to walk her and my Camarilla um, turncoat through losing their, their morality. So I kept pushing them to kill people to feed um, as like a duo. And it was wow. a lot of fun. Yeah, that uh, sounds awesome. Yes, yeah, so it was. Um, I'm not used to playing that. I'm I'm used to more like angry anti-heroes, but I've also, <laughs> I have a toddler, and I, so I think this character just channeled me being a dad um, <laughs> in a really twisted way. Oh, that's, yeah, that's twistedly perfect. I love yep. that. Perfect. And you were La Sabra. I, yep. I had a very, I had a somewhat similar experience as because uh, of my sire being La Sabra and just like, mm -hmm watching over people and like curating them and making sure that they're end up being what you want. And you, your pack went for the big score. You're like, no, no, come over here, buddy. You're going to help. We're going to help us. We're going to help you. And we're going to impress everyone because we're going to go after the prince. Mm -hmm. And we, we got to give the info to the new Bishop of war. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I would say uh, with La Sombra, you, you get to be the adults in the room, <laughs> uh, which was nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, pro I'm hoping, like, we got the we got the war pack, so I'm going to definitely shoot for La Sombra, because uh, that's going to be fun. Well, I hope you all do. I'm not sure if we'll be able to do it this year. It's uh, going to be the new start of the academic year, mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. I have to do my job in compliance HR stuff is going to be extra crazy. Yeah. So how did, how did night in question compare 
um, both just as a game in general and as it relates to your condition with other LARPs that you've been a part of? Mm. Well, I've never been part of that type of LARP. I, other stuff I've done has been very much um, Mind's Eye Society mainly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I liked it a lot more. It was far more intense. Um, and I'd say the downside is less plotting, less backroom dealing. Yeah. Um, we thought a bit of that, mm-hmm. um, especially beforehand. And in, in Act One, while everyone was, was human, um, you know, the rest of us were trying to figure out, you know, get all the priests in the same room, which was like herding cats. <laughs> oh. um, I know that feeling you. so, so well. Yeah, we, we, it was, it was very interesting. Um, that's probably all I can say on it. Um, I, the the big takeaway was that it was just an entirely different experience. Um, it was nice that when we were out of the torches, everybody else's uh, vision sucked too. <laughs> and um, away from the firelight, you know, I ended up leading a group of three people at one point um, <laughs> because we wanted to get across the bridge. And I had a cane, and I don't think they wanted twisted ankles. Um, so that was good. Uh, it was finding people was a bit of a challenge considering how many people were there. But um, I use the same type of techniques I use in other LARPs where I find a buddy, I find someone to co-opt who's willing to be co-opted for a scene or two or, um, you know, just brought into something happening. People love to be, you know, they're there, they're there to interact and to engage. And so it's very easy to find someone who's willing to, um, to assist in an in-character capacity and to, to leverage for whatever reasons the characters would do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, I can totally see that and just, yeah, because I mean, uh, the stereotypical loner in the corner, that's not really role-playing. I mean, sure, that's in your head, but <laughs> you're not really, you're not being a part of other people's story and, mm-hmm. and sort of growing your own story and sort of creating an environment. <laughs> yeah, um, if you- so with the, uh, I had a question about your, because you played Mind's Eye Theater before, mm-hmm. obviously you probably went to places that you either were familiar with or became familiar because you played regularly at those places. But mm-hmm. the night in question is very different because this is a brand new place. You, this, that was your first time at that location, correct? Yes. I talked to Matt about the layout beforehand. Uh, my wife and I walked the area just as the game was starting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just have to be totally unashamed to ask if right. you're not sure though you know it was it wasn't too bad i i used things as um landmarks so there was the entrance there was the the chicken zone um, <laughs> where the chicken was and where the bar was and then there was the um the the dance floor and the dance mm-hmm. floor was always an excellent landmark because it was so loud yeah mm-hmm. Um, and then you could do other things like the fire. You could feel the heat there. And, mm-hmm. and um, people tended to cluster in a few different areas. So you could just oh, yeah. head towards a cluster of people. Especially as they get later and colder. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was terribly cold. Yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to that to the next year being in September. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's be a lot better. <laughs> the problem is me and Scott are LARPers. We're boffer LARPers. And so we're you. I've. I've been in for many years and Scott has done it or uh, about half as much, I think, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's been, he's been out there when it's been very cold and, and I'm walking around, we're looking at these people with very like raver clothes on. I'm like, you guys are going to be, you guys going to hate yourself <laughs> at the end of the night. <laughs> yep. There was so um, cold. So my wife got like almost shoulder length gloves, but they were actually arm warmers disguised as gloves nice. <laughs> because it was just too cold. Um, I have my my long coat on or one I borrowed and I wish I had worn. I have a heavier leather jacket, which I thought about wearing. And and if I ever did that again in that weather, it would be with that with yeah, a heavier jacket. September should be perfect for you guys uh, when you do it this year, if you're able to go. Yeah, I really um, hope so. Um, you know, it was, it was highly entertaining. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, in terms of more general gaming, um, mm-hmm. are, would you say that there are like you obviously you have the technology that assists you, but in mm-hmm. general, like do gaming companies have resources available uh, for people with with site issues, or is that just something you kind of have to cobble together? 
you kind of have to cobble it together. Um, frequently, you're working with a limited amount of, you know, they're small companies anyway, unless you're TSR. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the other nice thing is they're small companies. I have frequently, I mean, not frequently, but four or five times contacted the owner of a company and said, hey, having this issue, um, can I purchase this ebook from you in this type of format? And I've never had anyone be an asshole about it. Cool. Uh, so people tend to be extremely cool. They're just like, please don't circulate it. Obviously not. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, it's never had that sort of bad experience. That's Great. good. That's cool. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I guess along those lines, because you've had to couple things together yourself over the years, what are some other techniques that you haven't mentioned yet that you would recommend to anyone who may be listening to this now who is in a similar con- situation or be, uh, or uh, gets in that kind of a situation. Sure. Um, tabletop, make cheat sheets. Um, make sure you know the rules well enough to be able to write them down or explain them to someone. And if you're using, you know, D20, your, 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 gosh, um, I keep wanting to say SRD, but I'm not sure if that's right. Um, <laughs> right. Whatever, whatever you're you're using for it, make sure that you you can quickly access the parts that you know you'll need. Mm-hmm. Um, for anyone, actually, that's decent advice. Consider copying down your powers yeah. into a Word <laughs> document in shorthand. It will save everyone loads of time when combat starts. Um, be willing to figure out where your where your strengths lie not everyone has the patience to do an epic weather level wizard spell list um sometimes if you're using terrain or otherwise be willing to take your time to to make sure that it's something you can feel or imagine or if it's just scratch a scratch out on a hex board uh be willing to ask for help that's the biggest thing is you're working with your friends ask for help um, and I guess my last advice for tabletop is know what is accessible to you and be willing to ask the publisher and engage with them. Um, again, the majority of publishers are small-time publishers. They're willing to work with you. They're happy to have your business and your goodwill. And so, you know, if you're willing to buy it, buy it in print, buy it in PDF, whatever, mm. um, and find a way that's going to work. Uh, the... LARPing, I think, is a little bit more involved on what you need to do. Again, it's just generally good advice. Know the site or take time to learn it. Um, Be very aware of your uh, relationships with others. So if it's a really big LARP, have a core of people that you can rely on. I have my pack um, and a few other people I suborned throughout the evening. And then, of course, my wife and and her crew, she was with the film crew, and they were really excellent about helping out. Um, The, you know, other things are know who you can immediately start something with, whether as an antagonist or as a, you know, a, um, gosh, not the protagonist, but the secondary protagonist, and Aristotle is skipping me today, so we're (laughs) going to move on. Um, but that type of, um, that type of thing. So who you can, who's going to be your ally or would love to be your enemy and help you get around or engage. (laughs) Yeah. Engage. I think that's a, that's a good word. There's just somebody, you know, you can immediately start something with regardless of if pro, if they're helping or hurting you, it doesn't matter as long as they are there to help generate content with everyone else. As long as you're good OC, you're good. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, I think the other thing is get very, very comfortable with with discomfort, with not being certain, with ambiguity. Um, you're frequently not going to know where you are. That may even be the case if you can see, uh, depending on what's going on in the game, or you may mm-hmm. not know fully what's happening. And just be willing to roll with it, to engage and trust that's going to work out. Yeah, I can I can totally understand advice. that. Uh, so you mentioned that there wasn't uh, a lot in the way of um, uh, other people 
uh, that you can share experiences with. Is there any kind of community or support uh, organizations out there, either formal or informal, uh, that helps with, cool. with? Not that I'm aware of. Um, no, I'm sure there's actually a much larger blind video gaming convention. Really? Yep. Mm. It's, uh, uh, Gosh, people will hack Pokemon so they can play auditorially <laughs> or whatever else they're going to do. Um, I have not done that. I've only Actually, done money. That sounds, uh, William, I'm going to put this out there. It sounds like a niche that needs to be filled. It really does. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, there are some accessible gaming that's coming out or ver um, games that are, <clears throat> you know, handled in in a way that that's very accessible so i guess you know um accessible tabletop or even just a group of people to provide that there's probably a need for a subreddit on that or something oh yeah absolutely um so i'm curious because this just pops in my head so you haven't you listen to a lot of rule books a lot of like rpgs mm -hmm. um either with screen readers and probably some of the pdf readers that have come out mm -hmm. but have you ever actually do you actually had there ever been a encountered a physical book that was in Braille that you could that you could read? No, and I'm deeply grateful. Um, <laughs> I can read Braille, but they are um, they're incredibly bulky. So uh -huh. I used to have a lot of Braille books, and um, when I was young, I read the Harry Potter books. The four, first Harry Potter book was was four Braille volumes. Oh, wow! And it only got worse. Um, so. <laughs> You know, Treasure Island was um, think, nine uh, inches. Actually, you can explain a little bit to me because I've actually never encountered someone with, with uh, such severe sight issues that they had to learn how to read Braille. Explain to me about Braille a little bit and like why it's so bulky. I, I kind of get the idea, but maybe I, I just like so, a little bit more. As you probably know, Braille is a, is a linguistic representation system using a system of six dots in a cell. Uh, it's a three vertical to horizontal and you can it's it's both symbolic well it has the full like alphabet system um you can also symbolize groups of characters or syllables or other things so it's a bit of a syllabary too um and it's this massive unholy mix and because of the size of the cell your you know, you're probably dealing with half an inch per line, if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. um, and some things will be contracted, but even if it's contracted, you've got a, about a half inch height per line. You might be fitting 40 characters on a line if you're lucky, maybe much less. And um, it also, since it's puffed up and most likely brailed on both sides, so you'll offset the second side from the first side so you can uh, gotcha. emboss or poke holes on both sides of the paper. It is, unless you're squishing it down, it, it becomes very thick for the amount of pages. Oh, yeah. So I can, I can, now one moment you told me it had to be offset one page has to be offset the other because I knew it was three-dimensional, like you, it has to be felt, mm -hmm. but I'd never really thought about like, oh, one side's going to be, yeah, dented in essentially, and the other side is going to be it has to be different if you want it on both sides. Yep, the back side will be will be offset, um, and you know it can be very expensive. It's useful for certain things. I really like dead languages, and hmm. it's hmm. easier to read Latin and Braille than to find a competent screen reader font for Latin. Fair enough. Um, so, <laughs> um, I, I imagine that there haven't been very many role-playing books in, in Braille uh, just because, you know, it's a niche market within, within a niche market. So I imagine, like, the advent of screen reader and, like, uh, you know, text-to-speech technology was really where gaming became possible for people with sight issues. Yeah, unless you're having someone as a system. I'm yeah. sure somebody, and you can go through the laborious process if someone was well off or had access to what used to be very expensive equipment it's still is somewhat expensive it's no longer crazy expensive where you could slice up a book scan each page ocr it put it through a translation program to a braille file take that translation program print it on an embosser um, an embossers 
you know, now you can probably get one for 2000 bucks. But previously, they ran, you know, 4000 to 20000 plus, depending on the complexity. Um, you know, if you want something that will also do pictures and diagrams, it's going to be much more expensive. Yeah, well, wow. that means like e-readers and, and voice-to-speech things. There's just, it's more efficient. It's more, much mm-hmm. more bang for your buck as far as content to, to the, even the good stuff is nowhere near that expensive. Yeah. You know, my, my mom, when I was 11 or 12, uh, and I'm deeply grateful that she was a cool enough mom to do this, read me Vampire Revised. Oh, uh, why? That's... And I was like, whoa, I was not expecting, you know, my, my, my mom stopped a part of it. She's like, do you want me to continue? I'm like, yeah, please continue. <laughs> Got to take my notes. Wow. You, nice. you, you had a very different relationship with your parents and vampire than I did. All right. That's all I'm saying. Well, I we got we got over that hump with Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice, yeah, um, yeah. So uh, beyond all of that, um, what are some of the other games you really love to play, and what are the ones you're looking forward to coming out? So I very much like. Oh my gosh, I, I had a GURPS kick for a long time just because once we learned the rules, we could throw whatever in it. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, and yes. You know, I did GURPS Star Wars as a brutally realistic Merc game, uh, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and I've done a number of low fantasy um, sword and sorcery there. Um, really liked Riddle of Steel. I was not a fan of anything but the combat system and the virtues and passions. But Riddle of Steel, are you all familiar with that? I've heard the name. Please explain. A Riddle of Steel was a weird indie game. It was made by people who were very much into historical European martial arts. And they're like, what would a game be like if it legit modeled a sword fight, including grabbing the initiative from the person? And if I'm really good in a long sword, I'll default to being decent at wrestling and dagger and stuff. Mm. And, um, it made for some, I and mean, it was it was our first exposure to some really grim, brutal damage rules. Like, never get hit without armor ever. <laughs> you know, I remember you had a damage table, and they had an electronic one, and you would roll on it, and it was however many d6, and you you call your shot to an area, and people could parry it. And it went relatively fine if you use the fast if you use the electronic tools. If you didn't, it was like roll master. Um, <laughs> uh, but the you know one of my players got hit with a halberd in the shoulder, and it's like severs clavicle, enters upper you know upper lung. Uh, you know this much shock, this much pain, um, this much dead. blood lost, and he didn't die, but he was. People got it was it was the game where everyone played it because they wanted to fight, and it was a game that taught my players talk your way around something unless you care very deeply about it, and it compensated by, uh, I think before fate did or around the time fate did, giving you bonuses for your passions for things that your character deeply cared about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you deeply cared about this fight, you could be a badass. But if you were just dealing with brigands on the road, unless you had a passion, hate brigands, avenge my family. Um, it was not going to be a good day for you. And uh, my brother-in-law, John, was, he was, you know, running up. He was playing this this character. He had a a walking stick. He was in leather armor. He had given up the sword. They're going to a full um, guy on a horse in, in full armor. The horse is armored. He's reared. The horse is kicking. And the guy running with him has a sword in armor. And the, the other player, uh, David, who's a good friend of mine, turns to me and goes, William, I fall back. And John goes, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm like, okay, John, the horse kicks you and all right, you're out of the fight. You're not dead. And that was it. And it was, um, I don't think I want to play it long, long, long term. Um, it was a lot of fun. Players were rewarded for ambushes, for very realistic, we're not going to fight fair techniques yeah Yeah. um range combat was probably superior oh yeah and all my at the end my my two characters or my players um my wife and one of her buddies they were really smart about it they read the rules so they all were like no we're wearing armor we have long swords and we have crossbows we will engage (laughs) with the crossbow if they get within the certain range we're dropping the crossbow and then we're going to 
double team anyone and murder them. And they they did not take damage the entire time. <laughs> nice. And, Actually, uh, yeah, William, you hit on something very interesting and had just not like articulated before. Mm. So I appreciate that. Is have a super brutal, very intense combat system to teach players you can't necessarily fight your way out of a situation mm-hmm. that you should try to avoid the fight at as much as possible because this can go really sideways for you. And that's an interesting tool in a long enough period of teaching players if they have the tendency to be like D&D where you just like part of the fun is combat and we want to have fun. But if you want to try to teach them some uh, bigger concepts and some like the idea of, oh, I really need to role play and I really need to figure out social dynamics. That's definitely a way to do it. I, I hadn't thought of that exactly like that before. Yeah. And, and that's why I really like games that rule make it where meaningless violence unless the point of the game is meeting meaningless violence <laughs> um is there's an incentive built incentives to, to teach the lessons the game wants to teach um and to create good role play and and that was the game where you know my wife's buddy um one of our good friends he really he always played the loner he's like my character has no emotional attachments so you cannot hurt him <laughs> and this one he's like no i've got emotional attachments i have deep things i want to invoke my you know my belief never run from a battle i want to invoke my passion loyalty to my comrades in arms and because it made him a badass in combat and that's what he was about and i think that was really where he stopped playing one note loner characters he still had the loner anti-hero-ness but he very much tempered it with finding reasons to fight for him, made it much more interesting oh yeah um, so although that game ended brutally with uh, the party turning in their two wounded comrades for bounties so they could kill the, the bounty givers, but being too late in saving their comrades that they turned in, um, it, it went really well. It taught them to role play <laughs> better, um, or at least the ones who weren't already excellent. And I've been very blessed by players, fellow players, and, and um, who actually value creating interesting stories. Um, so I like Exalted a lot. Mm. I wasn't as fans. much on, on I wasn't as much on the tail end of 2E because it was just crazy power creep. And I, oh, yeah. I when you had to have the 2.5 just to play, it was a headache. Yeah. You know, I played when there was just the first edition book out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, backed third edition and have been very into that. Um oh, how has that gone by the way? We haven't had a chance to play third edition yet. No. Okay. So crafting can be a nightmare, but if you have <laughs> a player who's really into it, it can be rewarding for them. Um I kind of ignored some of the more basic crafting stuff, but enforced uh, since they have the, the crafting points you have to get and everything. Mm-hmm. Um That's right. I remember I, reading that now. You had like silver yeah. points and solar points and so I kind of ignored the, the silver points um, mm-hmm. where I just gave them, you know, I want you to be able to make cool stuff. And, and, but I also had good players where they're like, no, I totally want to craft a barricade and mm-hmm. I want to make javelins for the resistance fighters. Um, I think Exalted goes really well. I like it. I like 3E, especially while running with mortals. Really? Yeah. It's, it actually made it fun. I had, um, Everyone was was mortals and became solars. And cool. uh, when they were mortals, they had to deal with uh, dragon blood. Mm. They almost did not win that, but the the combat is really interesting with the the gaining initiative and withering attacks versus mm-hmm. um, decisive attacks. And you can create a very interesting story with that, and it makes it makes rounds not be very much the slogging. Okay, is it my turn? Right. Because you're less hitting about, like, you're not trying to just like degrade their hit points. You're really, you, you're blading them and creating this like narrative tension. I reread it recently because I was doing some writing projects and I was like, oh, I get what this game is doing now. Even though I haven't really like intent, I haven't played it and I only briefly read it when I really got into it. I was like, oh, I see what this game is doing. The problem is I'm still thinking it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot of a system. But it's but it was interesting what it was because it was trying to emulate a lot of this anime feel of like these swords just keep clashing, clashing, clashing until someone you just like there's a sharp cut, 
one guy is behind another guy and the guy like slides in two and that was yeah. it. That's very much what it did. Um, yeah, I, th- I think every time I've looked at it, I, I love the core system and I've loved the expansions to the war. Just the charms. Good God, yeah. the charms. And, and I think when I was running that, we got up to, we were still pretty low power. Mm-hmm. And I do not want to imagine what that would be like at Essence 3 to 5. Yeah. Um, yeah be a bookkeeping nightmare and, <laughs> and, uh, it's interesting you said you had a lot of fun with mortals because i can it even in 2e i was like play mortals sounds more interesting because it's it's sort of a philosophy i'm starting to get with gaming it's just the idea of limitations breed creativity struggle mm-hmm. lets you showcase your character more and so by putting constraints on your character aka a mortal or even a dragon blood in in the exalted universe is a lot of pushing pushing up you have to a lot of punch up and you have to like really struggle in order to get your name recognized and do great things. And so that's, uh, I think that that's where it kind of shines the best because yeah. it's, it's a setting that's it's very much wreathed in the idea of the lower out uh, overcome the greater. Yeah. And, and I absolutely agree. I think my best dra- or my best game overall for exalted was a dragon blooded house of bells game. In second edition, and they had the little. If you graduated from House of Bells, you have this minimum stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. ah, we're going to take the the characters. We're going to strip them down to really basics. They're all newly exalted dynasts. They all can be deeply cool. And we're going to put them as first year students at this school full of hazing and secret student secret societies, and you know, save the the. Harry the Potter on drugs. Yeah, and in, in, with lots of violence. And um, it was it was good. Um, I just remember that the one of the fangs, we had two fangs. And one of the fangs was, um, so fang is five dragon-blooded. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were assigned to clean out the, the latrines, the bathhouses, because they had... Uh, broken a lot of rules, and so like they're do. like, "This will be faster if we just activate our animas." Hmm. So the wind guy activates his, and then the fire guy activates his, and that it's like, "No, this is not going to go to <laughs> a literal yeah. shitstorm." That is what happened. Oh god! <laughs> they got into a fight with the other Fang of player characters, and and one of them was the girl's Fang and the boy's Fang, and the girl's Fang kicked the boy's Fang's ass. Nice. Um, and it was. You know, I wish that had gone on longer. We ended it um, with an with a strategic exercise where everyone's given blunted weapons that you know can still kill someone, mm. and told, "Yep, capture the fort from the upperclassmen." Cool. And the the point is not to win. The point is to to demonstrate that you can fight a losing battle. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of fun. Um, no, that sounds super rad. Uh, that would have been something I would have been totally all about. So, uh, as we're along, we're talking about the the House of White Wolf, as it were. Um, yes. And because everyone nowadays has one, what is your opinion of Vampire Fifth Edition? Ooh, um, it's kind of nuanced. Mm-hmm. I think Vampire Fifth Edition has suffered from perhaps I think that the original releases should have been gone over a little bit more by someone who might have been able to point out when something might have been controversial. I don't necessarily think controversial stuff needs to be removed from games. Um, I like playing really controversial games, uh, but I think people need to be aware, and it seemed like people just were not expecting the pushback they got. Um, I'm not. I'm thinking less the the Bruja stuff, and I'm thinking more the um, pushback on some of the stuff that was in the the like the play test thing, where people felt like one character was a pedophile and things like that. Where no, I I totally understand that situation where they're they're the sort of the was the play test adventure had some had some iffy is situations so in stuff it. Stuff that squicked people, yeah. yeah. And it doesn't mm-hmm. mean it shouldn't be explored in the right context with the right group. But um I'm not sure if it's something I would explore, but 
more power to someone who who can do that maturely and like an adult. Yeah, and and when you got a playthrough adventure like or at least a public adventure that's going to be read by the masses, it's like if if an individual group wants to do that, that's their choice and that's perfectly okay. Mm -hmm. But this is something that they're trying to lead with, and so you may want to make it a little more universal so that people can augment it as they see fit. Absolutely. So the stuff I, you know, the the other thing I didn't like about it, and I'll talk about the stuff I do like about it. Uh, I guess the two other things I don't like about it. We'll make a list. Uh, I was not a big (laughs) fan, and I haven't finished reading all of it. I've never played it yet. I haven't found a group to play it with. Um, I feel like with the focus on feeding, and it's really good to have a focus on feeding. A lot of players never played feeding scenes. I don't know why. Um, Hmm. It's very intimate. It's very very intimate, but I'm not sure what the range is on play. How much, how many, how many types of stories you can tell while still exploring your, your monsterness or your monstrosity. Um, And I, that's just, it seems like the the range is a little bit more limited. Um, There's definitely not really superheroes with things. Um, mm. but there's also, you know, there's, there, I think that when people describe vampire as either being a polarity of this miserable postmodern, um, I'm suffering with, with my beast, which can be a fun game and superheroes with things. There's a lot of ground in between that, that I think needs to be explored. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I love to tell a story about Anarch Gangs, or um, Sabat is my favorite. Um, I'm deeply... We're all, we're all waiting for, for that 5th edition Sabat yeah, I'm book. deeply devoted to Sabat. Um, so I was... I may be biased in that. It's not out yet, so... Um, <laughs> right there with you. So, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see when that comes out, because I want... Me and Scott off, off mic have talked about this, of like... Mm-hmm. What do we think they're going to try to do with the Sabbat in the new paradigm that is V5? Yeah, and I think it's kind of hilarious that the Sabbat was right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, they may, be, they may be monsters, but they were right. And um, yep. I think the things I really do like are, at least it seems from my reading it, that it's pared down a lot. Um, it's cut away. It makes it harder to be ludicrous. Um, it makes you be much more intentional about your humanity, your emotions, your... I don't remember the words. I'm going to grab from Requiem and say your touchstones. Um, that's what actually, they're that is the words that okay, they use, yeah. too. So, and so I think that that's really valuable in, in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, now, admittedly... My focus is in Bronze Age archaeology. I like hoary elders that don't really remember who and what they are. Um, yeah. But I also think that there's a place for that, and I, I think that this does emotional gaming very well. And it also mm-hmm. does some of those darker explorations. And we're, we're probably not going to play what we do in the shadows and <laughs> unless we tweak it. I, I'd say it's harder. It's probably it's harder a little to play harder. what we do in the shadows. But it's, I'm not going to knock it. It's a well-put-together game. I think if, if things had been handled better at the beginning with at least an, an acknowledgement that there might be controversy to court and people had approached that and um, had been ready for that or even framed things a little bit better, I don't think they would have gotten as hard of pushback as they did. Mm. I understand that people mm. do get a lot of pushback. Um, regardless, it's hard. You know, I, I deal with free speech stuff in my job. Um, mm-hmm. And it's hard to draw that line sometime on, especially in, a, in something that is an artwork, where where... Where and how much do you need to alert players as to what's there? And where is the proper line between provocation and and pandering? Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good question. It is the ultimate question to the idea of free speech, but 
this, we're not going to get too much into that more. <laughs> this is a, that's a quagmire yeah, that we're not going to get into here. So we're here. That's what I think about it. It's um, yeah, no, it's, it's very interesting to think about. Like I've been running a V five game for about a year now, mm-hmm. and I'm loving it. Like I, I I love the hunger system and the and the the way the feeding works. It's as involved as the players want it to be. Like I've been able to run sessions where like. I've been able to run a sort of a gamut of sessions with it. I, th- I think it's a very cool toolbox that you can use um, how you want to use it. That's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I would like to play with it. And I just, you know, like I said, wasn't sure about where that range goes. So that's um, reassuring. I think, yeah, I, I think it's, yeah, it's can, a little more tenuous from night to night, which I actually, I think Scott agrees with me. I like that we like because mm-hmm. the idea is mm-hmm. the beast is unpredictable. You can't always rely on your powers, therefore you can't trust them like superpowers all the time. You yeah. only pull them out or use them when you're like, "All right, I need this, I need this," or you try to push your luck, and you could get lucky, and you can run, and you can get all the powers you want for next to nothing. But that bill is going to come due. I think the 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 core shift from resource management to risk management, mm-hmm. like that, that really. I really enjoy what they've done with that. And also, and and something that we've said this is just also, like, as you said, paring down of the Sabbat, but like the paring down of the setting itself, like not making as expansive and global, global in the sense that it's not all connected. They're Mm. they're much more isolated pockets of the Anarchs and the Camera and the Sabbat and creating these like smaller concentrated stories that you can tell in specific areas rather than having to worry about what's going on in Europe or Asia at any given moment. Yeah. I think they learned a lot from yeah. Requiem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I, I refused to play Requiem for a while. Oh. I just, I did not <laughs> want to play it. And then we played I, it. I, I was like, that's cool. They had some cool ideas in Requiem. I still wish they were in, they were in V5. Actually, there's some <laughs> stuff in there. That I kind of wish there was, it was in there just because yeah. it's so neat. And and I love the the openness in Requiem of yeah, mm-hmm. my city's gonna mm-hmm. be like this deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, but we're we're running out of time. We are at that moment. So mm-hmm. William, thank you very, very much. You have educated us, enlightened us, and entertained us uh with your experiences. Mm-hmm. Um has there anything before we get out of here, is there anything more you want to mention? Any uh, other resources you wanna plug or anything like that? Well, not for visually impaired gaming, not that I can think of. Um, I will plug something I'm working on. It's not official. It's probably going to be a troop game, but I'm working with some good friends from the Mind's Eye Society to create a vampire at the dawn of the Pu- Second Punic War uh, antiquity game. Ooh, neat. It's going to be a LARP and somewhere really? probably in DFW. But um, so if you, you know, I, I would encourage, you know, if, if people aren't in that community um, in DFW, I'd still encourage people to be creative with your games, be willing to push your experiences and adapt um, and tell the stories you want to tell. Great. Excellent. Thank you. Great advice. Thank you very much. much. Y'all rock. Well, thank you again, Mr. Man. We appreciate you. Um, And, uh, and maybe after the night in question, this second go around, we'll have you back. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Trouble. Right. Right. We will. Later, big man. That, Scott, he was a delight. Oh, yeah, he was absolutely a delight. I'm glad and, it worked out well. Uh, it absolutely was, and he has a really, really interesting perspective, uh, and just seems like a cool guy. I'd like to game with him if he didn't live in Austin. Actually, yeah, like I, I kind of want to message him and go, hey, dude, if you got an online game, I'm totally down, uh, because he, I think he he's, he's fills in sort of the mentality that we have as gamers. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, he had some really good tips for people who have sighted conditions and mm-hmm. and want to still game and be a part of the community. Um, so I'm I'm hats off to him for coming on and talking to us. Mm-hmm. That was really really enlightening, very fun, good conversation. Um, yeah, so glad that we were able to provide that. Uh, if you yourself are a, a gamer with disabilities that that interact with your gaming, yes, we would love to talk to you in another interview of that mm-hmm. nature. We would either love to do it of an inter- just a one on one interview, or maybe we can get if there are enough folks who are interested, have a sort of a roundtable discussion where the three guys 
you know who run this we just shut the fuck up and yeah. actually just yeah. let the people but we've done that in the past we've had yeah. where other people other groups have come in taken over the entire episode and, and those were talk. very popular episodes and i'm wondering why <laughs> well actually i was talking as i said he he doesn't have a lot of there's not a lot of places even on the internet for cited people to communicate and I'm like, that's a niche that needs to be filled. And there's probably more out there that needs those types of niches that need to be mm-hmm. filled, especially as gaming gets more popular and mm-hmm. gets into everyone's. Uh, and as technology uh, yeah. increases the ability to, to to have that available. We are lucky and we live in an age of OCR, at least, where mm-hmm. you, know, you can have a text reader, you know, just more affordances for people mm-hmm. to, you know, with, you know get their game and done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah, absolutely. That was a fantastic interview. I loved talking to him. Uh, I would like to have more conversations along those lines. Uh, so if that's something that you out there uh, would like to participate in. Or if, if, it, or if there's just another underrepresented group and you know yeah. someone and you think... And they, they're passionate about gaming. Yeah, we'd like to talk Please. to them and we'd like to get their their perspective out into the world. And as always, it's polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com. That's the best and easiest way to get in touch with us. I look at my email every day, so feel free to shoot us an email. Or uh, polyhedroncast at Twitter. Oh, at polyhedroncast. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, Twitter, but Twitter's a, a finicky beast. Indeed. It tweets too much. Mm-hmm. Ugh. It tweet, tweets when it's not appropriate. That is very true. Uh, but yeah, so that was a great interview. Had fun. Yes, so everyone from here at Polyhedron, go where your fun is. Curl some dice. Hello, everyone. Just wanted to let you all know, if you want to email us, you can at polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to get in contact with us via Twitter, you can contact us at polyhedroncast. And if you want to contact me, I am at bioimportance. If you want to get in contact with me directly, I'm at divismallcav. And I'm a hermit, so just email the show, please. Also, in addition, if you really like the show and you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash polyhedron. Give us a buck a month. You get a lot more content, and it'll really help us out. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone.